Welcome to the Berkey Web Today podcast, part of the Eero Podcast Network. Podcasts that inform by focusing on the news and the people behind the news. My name is Edward Eero, and I am your host for Episode 9 on February 1st, 2010. I interview Mr. Lewis Minch, Vice President of the Cumberland Area Ski Touring Association, about his experience skiing in the inaugural Berkey Tour on the podcast today. I also check in with fellow Berkey buddies Tim Burke and Mike Tarnow, who participated in the No Cayman On Marathon in Marquette, Michigan, this past Saturday in the On the Trail section of the podcast. Berkey Web Today provides coverage before, during, and after the American Berka Binder Ski Race in northern Wisconsin. The podcast is a feature of BerkeyWeb.com website, where fellow Berkey buddies Tim and Mike and I explore news and information about the race, which includes interviews with interesting individuals either involved in the race or Nordic skiing in general. Berkey Web Today podcast can be found at the Berkey Web website or on iTunes. They are also indexed at the Eero Podcast Network at epn.ero.com. We welcome your feedback, so please write to webmaster at berkeyweb.com and send in your comments or suggestions. We would love to hear from you. Before we talk with my guests, I want to provide you with some news and information about the 37th Annual Berkey, and also now Nordic skiing in general. As of today, there are 26 days to the race, which is on February 27, 2010. Along with the podcast, we also post up news and information about the American Berka Binder and other Nordic skiing events through our Twitter and Facebook accounts. To follow our Twitter feed, go to twitter.com slash berkeyweb, and to become a fan on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash berkeywebtoday. We also have a Facebook group called Berkey Web. The Twitter feed is more comprehensive, but through the RSS slash blog tab on the Berkey Web Today Facebook page, you can read all of them. Facebook tends to be slower in updating, however. I have also started I have also started a blog where I provide more detailed information about the individuals interviewed on Berkey Web Today and other Eero Podcast Network podcasts. The blog link is blog.ero.com. All the posts now include other Nordic skiing events from around the world. The big news today is that over the weekend, the Berkey and Cordy reached the cap of 7,500 skiers for registration. And as reported last year on the podcast, the American Berkebiner Ski Foundation Board of Directors voted to set a registration cap on the Berkey and Cordelopet last spring. The cap was established to ensure the quality of the race. Due to the fact that the cap was reached over the weekend, the Berkey Cordy registration will stay open until 2 o'clock p.m. or 1400 Central Standard Time this Wednesday, February 3rd. Skiers will have one last opportunity to register, but it must be done online at the Berkey website or by fax at 715-634-5663. Race registrations will no longer be accepted by mail. There are currently 150 skiers registered for the 12K Prince Hoken, which has registration cap of 250 skiers. Race registration for that race will remain open until the cap. All skiers who are currently registered may make changes in their race applications, such as switching techniques, switching between the Berkey and Cordy, or submitting qualifying race information until Monday, February 15th at 8 o'clock p.m. or 2000 Central Standard Time. Please call 715 715- 6345025 to make those changes. As of Friday, January 29th, Berkey Cordy Skate Waves 2, 3, and 4, and as well as Berkey Cordy Classic Wave 7 are all closed to new registrations. Skiers qualified for those waves will be assigned to the next available wave. With the large volume of race registrations received over this past weekend, I'm sure there'll be an announcement of additional wave closures this week. Please visit the Berkey website for more information. 
Despite a bleak weather forecast for the first annual Berkey Tour held on January 23rd, over 550 skiers participated in the 22K and 44K events. Fortunately, the predicted ice and rain held off until the last skiers finished the event. The event course, which was changed from the original plans due to the weather forecast, started at the Telemark Resort onto the Cordelopet course and then entered the American Berkebinder Trail system. Skiers skiing the 22K event finished at Double O in Sealy, and those finishing the 44K event finished at the Hatchery Creek Park in Hayward. It was reported that skiers from Wisconsin, Minnesota, Illinois, Iowa, Kansas, Canada, and as far away as Russia participated in the event. The Berkey Tour will be an annual event for the American Berka Binder, and a date has already been set for next year for Saturday, January 22, 2011. Registration will be available in the spring on the Berkey website. The Berkey Tour was sponsored by Miller Genuine Draft 64, Hammer Nutrition, Becker Law, Cliff Bar, Gear West, Active Edge, GU Energy Gel, and Marketplace Foods. Changes have been made to the Berkey Cordy Prince Hoken start schedule. Um, please go to the Berkey website to check your times because I'm not going to read all those here. Um, but just to give you an idea, at 8 o'clock, Wave 1 Classic, which includes the Elite Start, and then at 8.10, Wave 2 Classic. And then at 8.25 is when the Elite Skate Men go off, and 8.27, the Elite Skate Women. And then that's followed at 8.30 by Wave 3 Classic, 8.35 by Wave 1 Skate. And then we skip down 10.05 a.m. Wave 10 Skate, and 10.15 the Prince Hoken 12K starts at the Berkey-Cordy Start Area, which is a change from previous years and announced in the last part podcast. And you can get all that information at the Berkey website. The Marchfield Clinic is a new sponsor of the Cordelopet. Um, the foundation announced that uh, the clinic, uh, Hayward Center, uh, as the presenting sponsor of the race. In addition to their support of the Cordelopet, Marshfield Clinic Hayward Center will also be chief medical team on the race course, supporting our 200 medical volunteers and the National Ski Patrol volunteers. The Barnaburki course has also uh, been changed, as announced by the Ski Foundation. Uh, that race, which takes place on Thursday, February 25th, will have a new start behind the Hayward Primary School to offer a better race course for skiers and spectators. The Barnaburki is for skiers ages 3 to 13 and cost $5. The youngest skiers participating in the one-kilometer event will ski across school property until they connect with Main Street. They will then go down to the Barney Finish area located in front of People's Bank, on Main Street. Skiers completing the three and five kilometer events will ski from the Hayward Primary School to the Hayward Golf and Tennis Club property. They will then ski one or two laps, return to the primary school, and then on to the finish area. The American Berkebinder Ski Foundation is excited uh, in announcing that the fifth annual Berkey Skiers for Cures fundraising program will once again support the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. In the first four years, over 195000 has been raised for the Susan G. Komen for the Cure, the Arthritis Foundation, the Lance Armstrong Foundation, and the National MS Society. As many of you know, multiple sclerosis is a chronic, often debilitating disease that attacks the central nervous system, including the brain, spinal cord, and optic nerves. Symptoms may range from numbness in limbs to paralysis or loss of vision. Participating in the Berkey Skiers for Cure program is very easy. Donors register for the race or event of their choice, including the 50K Berkey Skate, 54K Berkey Classic, 23K Cordy, or 12K Pritz Hoken. Donors and skiers voluntarily collect pledges and raise funds for the National MS Society. Donations can be collected online at wisconsinms or wisms.org or download a form at berkey.com. Skiers raising the most money will 
be eligible for prizes, including a pair of skis autographed by Bjorn Dolly, a Bjorn Dolly ski suit, free entry into the 2011 American Birkebinder race of their choice, and free stays at area lodges, including Lakewood's Resort, Tagalong Resort, and Spider Lake Lodge. Skiers and spectators can also participate in the program by purchasing a 2010 Berkey Skiers for the Cure MS pin. The cost of the pin is $20 and is available online at the Berkey office or at various stores throughout Wisconsin and at the National MS Society booth at the Berkey Skier Expos. Skiers who purchase a pin and wear it on their bib during the race will also be eligible for great prizes, including a Salomon package of racing skis, classic horse skate, poles, boots, and bindings, Fisher-fitted racing skis, classic or skate, gift certificates from New Moon Ski and Bike, and the Bicycle Doctor, atomic race backpacks, and optic nerve interchange sunglasses from Outdoor Adventures, a Yakima ski rack, from Rutabaga Paddle Sports, and much more. Adam Swank of Duluth won the Sealy Hills Classic 42-kilometer ski race on the American Berkebinder Trail in Sealy, Wisconsin on January 16th. Swank led a field of 331 in 2 hours, 3 minutes, and was followed by a pair of Duluth natives within 12 seconds, uh, including Andre Watt and Bjorn Baddorf. As reported in FasterSkier.com last week, a final skier has been added to the 2010 Olympic cross-country ski team. Simi Hamilton from Aspen, Colorado, and a former All-American from Middlebury College was announced Thursday after the U.S. Ski and Snowboard Association received an 11th and final quota spot. Two athletes were named earlier in the week in addition to the original eight announced two weeks ago. The team is subject to final review by the U.S. Olympic Committee, but it includes the following names. Morgan Aratola from Ketchum, Idaho, is 23. Holly Brooks from Anchorage, Alaska, 27. Caitlin Compton from Minneapolis, Minnesota, who's 29. Chris Freeman from Andover, New Hampshire, who's 29, also participated in the 2002 and 2006 Olympics. Simi Hamilton from Aspen, Colorado, who's 22. Torin Coos from Leavenworth, Washington, who's 29, also participated in the 2002 and 2006 Olympics. Garrett Cuzzy from Minneapolis, Minnesota, who's 27. Andy Newell from Shaftesburg, Vermont, who's 25, participated in the 2006 Olympics. And Keegan Randall from Anchorage, Alaska, 27, also participated in 2002 and 2006 Olympics. James Southam from Anchorage, Alaska, who's 31, participated in the 2006 Olympics. And finally, Liz Stephen from Montpelier, Vermont, who's 22. Remember this and other news and information can be found uh, by following the Berkey Web Twitter feed and at the Berkey Web Today Facebook page. As part of our On the Trail section of the podcast, we will either be literally out on the Berkey Trail or on the scene for interviews. Today, I am checking in with fellow Berkey buddies Tim Burke and Mike Tarnow, who participated in the No Caymanon Ski Marathon this past Saturday, January 30th in Marquette, Michigan. I will warn you in advance that the recording quality is not great as there were some internet issues with Skype. Welcome, Tim and Mike, and sorry we could not connect on Sunday. I know you guys ran into some snow coming back from the race. It was a yeah. long ride home. Yep. Well, you both have done the Noki in past years, so uh, please provide your general impressions of the race uh, this year, you know, in comparison. Tim, why don't you start? Well, um, I did the short one for the second uh, time in my three uh, race um, <clears throat> experience at the Noki. And uh, the trail hasn't changed much. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, this year, um, the downhills were icy uh, based on how many skiers had gone through before me because I'm uh, way in the back. Uh, but 
uh, it was still quite a lot of fun. They had enough snow that you didn't have to ski over um, railroad uh, rails uh, um, on, you know, without snow cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I predicted I would ski the uh, course in two hours, and my actual time was two hours and one minute. Oh, that's great. Mike, how about you? I had a very nice day Sunday. I uh, had a race plan to uh, ski a, a relaxed pace uh, and uh, not worry about where I came out. The uh, track was uh, very good. I uh, had a lot of fun. Uh, skied the race an hour 31 and change, which uh, put me in 22nd place overall out of about 200 skiers. The funny thing is that uh, even as I get older, my age group doesn't seem to get any easier. The, <laughs> the, the 60 to 64 age group placed four skiers in the top 22, with me being the fourth. Wow. So we wow. got almost 20% of the top 22 skiers. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I wasn't able to look at the results on the computer if so if there was anybody older than than me that finished in the top 20, maybe our percentage of old guys is even higher. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, Mike, I know you did the 25K Classic and Tim the 25K Freestyle, and you mentioned a little bit about sounds like the conditions were good uh, for both of you. Uh, was the grooming of the course good, and, and what waxes did you use for each one, Tim? Um, uh, I used the, uh, uh, Toco pink, um, and, uh, uh, topped that off with the uh, jet stream, um, the, 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 uh, block, uh, jet stream, and then some, uh, helix cold spray. Mm. Uh, then those latter two were just applied, uh, the morning of the race, um, and w- without ironing. So, um, but my skis were plenty fast. They were great. Mike. The, uh, the grooming was good on our part of the course. They, uh, don't groom the, uh, longer course all year. So the 50 K skiers had a more difficult time with the first half of the course uh, it got easier for everybody once they uh, passed the halfway point. I was waxed with a Swix system, uh, starting off with the CH6 uh, and then progressing up through the low fluoro to uh, uh, the uh, higher fluoro. Uh, and uh, I used their rub on uh, uh, Molly graphite. Uh, uh, high fluoro rub on that was, uh, and I had very, very good, uh, glide. Uh, the kick, uh, was, uh, I was losing the kick through the race, uh, because of the abrasiveness of the downhill snow. Uh, but I probably double pulled and double pulled kick 95% of the course. So the loss of the kick wasn't uh, that big a deal. Mm-hmm. Now, was there new new snow, or was it mainly older snow? It was mainly older snow. They had a few inches of new snow that came uh, earlier in the week. I see. And and the Noki is a point to point. I was looking at the website and saw that the twenty five k race sort of starts halfway. Um, and then you all finish in Marquette. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. The, uh, the finish is very nice because you finish right in town at the Uper Dome. And so you walk a short distance from the finish into the Uper Dome and it's warm and you can get a shower and food. Uh, they've got a very nice setup, including uh, a computer table where you go up and somebody puts in your bib number and you get your place and uh, your finish place and your time and and your finish overall uh your place and your age group and 
your your place amongst others and, and skiers in your uh, whether you know and uh, broken down to men and women. Uh, very impressive. Is it a uh, wave start race, or is it a mass start? It is a wave start. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they start. Uh, I think two waves of classic skiers and Tim. How many waves of uh, freestyle skiers? There were four. So, for the short distance, there were four waves. And do the fifty or the fifty-one k skiers are they coming through before you guys started? While and during and the you know they they were. Uh, but by that point, they were so spread out because it's not that big of a race. So it was people coming by, you know, single file. But but so you guys must have started then, what, uh, 11, noonish in that time? Frank? Yeah, 12.30 for me and wow. uh, to yeah. 12 for Mike. Yeah, very different. Yeah, it's a very, very relaxed start for us uh, getting to the race and, and having the noon start lets the day warm up the... 51k skiers started at zero degrees and we started at about 18 huge difference yeah and you guys have participated uh two or three years now in this I've race i've done three of the 51k races and this was my first short race there so um i've i did one uh, long race and two short okay and, and do you guys know what the history of the race is and how many years um, they've had this? Uh, we should. We participated in the first one, but yeah, at least I was, did. Yeah, but, but I yeah can't the really first one, uh, 10, was, nine, uh, 10 years old. Shortly after I moved here, it was like the first or second winter after I moved here, which has been 15 years now. Um. Mm-hmm. That's that's when we um, because the Marquette is just a neat place because it's five hours from Traverse City and five hours from Duluth, um, so it's like we're meeting up halfway and you know, um, it, it's uh, Mike might know more detail, but there was a, a predecessor race called the Red Earth Loppet um, that I never did. Um, I don't know if Mike did or not, but um, I think that was way back when I was living in Traverse. Yeah, the Red Earth was at Blueberry, and uh, they had that for quite a number of years. And then I they went to this new trail system on the north side of town. And uh, I never did the Red Earth either. Well, it sounds like from your comments that it was a great organization uh, to the race. A very good organization, uh, good volunteers at uh, the uh, the aid stations. Uh, the their only weakness is the uh, the course uh, goes over some areas that aren't trail all of the time. We skied along the side of the road for a while on a downhill that was a bit sketchy with some yep. dirty yep. snow. Yep. It was and, more than a bit sketchy. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it, yeah, it just adds to the adventure. Now, I was looking at the profile, and it seems that the hill, you start kind of in the hills, if you can call it that. I'm not sure what the elevation of that map was, and then you generally are moving downhill on the 25K? That's correct. Yes. The half marathon is generally downhill. There's three little climbs in the beginning of the race that uh, you've still got you know, good energy, and they're pretty easy. Uh, it's a much easier course than the 51K. Uh, 51K is, is much hillier and much more difficult uh, that first half of the course. Yeah, Mike. I know. Well, Mike, I know you mentioned you mentioned that you uh, finished fourth. Well, congratulations in your age group. So that's uh, that's wonderful. Uh, I know you missed that podium stop, uh, though. But uh, maybe uh, we can in the Berkey we can uh, get you up there. Um, <laughs> did you see? Uh, 
any of the other skiers in your age group or did you know who they were that uh during the I, race I knew one of the other skiers in my age group uh but uh didn't really see him on the course he was in the first wave and I was on the, in the second wave uh so it it uh it, it was a fun ski for me because when you come onto the course, the 50K classic skiers are streaming by, but they're moving at a different pace at that point of their race. Uh, so you're constantly passing them. And then I caught a lot of the 25K skiers, and that really gives me a lot of energy uh, as I'm passing people. And you can kind of mark them ahead of you and look for your next victim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mike is right. That's a, so, you know, um, not that I do that very often, but when it does happen, um, it's a huge psychological boost. Yeah. So Mike, are you going to, are you going uh, classic for the Berkey or are you going to be freestyle? I, I've got the uh, 20K white pine this coming weekend. I'll be skiing freestyle. The following weekend is the Vasa. Uh, North American Vasa here in Traverse City, and I'll be doing the half marathon classic. And then two weeks after that is the Berkey, and I'll be skiing that uh, full length classic. Oh, you are going classic? Yeah, you know, I've, I've okay. done, I've completed uh, 17 Berkeys. I've been there 20 years now, and I've never done a classic Berkey. It's time to make it more of an adventure. Yeah. Well, and spe especially now with the classic uh, trail there, really all the way to double O, it makes it uh, an interesting uh, race. So, um, but now I can't use you as my uh, wax consultant. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you have until the 15th to change that. Well, actually, uh, I've been trying well, uh, to talk Tim into changing to go short. I, I'm not changing. Yeah. Yeah. So, Tim, are you considering that going? Yeah, ready? I'm. I'm thinking about it. The deadline is the 15th. Um, I'm, you know, right. this uh, alternatively, this might be my uh, swan song at the long distance. Um, it's mm -hmm. just, you know, um, I have so much more fun with the shorter distance races. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it. Uh... We've we've been up there a That's few right. years, but uh, uh, it's uh, it's always a blast. And of course, while you guys were skiing, I'm here in Kansas City. We track. Uh, Christmas, yeah. Well, Christmas we had some snow, and I was able to get out quite a bit, at least on classic. And there are a number of skiers here that have taken some trips. Uh, there's a group that's going up uh, um, to uh, race in Minneapolis. Um, and so there are about five or six skiers here that uh, that do things. But then we lost that snow. Now we're in this kind of in-between. There's snow and ice on the ground, so I can't roller ski. So I've been Nordic tracking like crazy, but uh, just to keep the keep the exercise yep. up. So, well, guys, uh, take care, and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, very good, Ed. Today I'm interviewing... Lewis Minch, about his experience skiing in the inaugural Berkey Tour held on January 23rd. Lewis lives in Cumberland, Wisconsin, where he works at Louis Finer Meats, owned by his family. He is the vice president of the Cumberland Area Ski Touring Association, which maintains the Timberland Hills Ski Trails. He is responsible for updating trail conditions on the club's website and their Facebook page. In 2001, he completed the Coeur d'Alpe, but was first signed up for the race in 2000, which was the year it was canceled. In 2002, he did his first Berkey and has participated each year ever since. Lewis also participates in a number of other ski events each year, including the pre-Berkey and the Book Across the Bay races. Lewis, I know you're very busy with your family business, so thanks so much for taking the time for being on the podcast today. Uh, no problem. Um, how was the organization of the inaugural Berkey Tour on January 23rd, and 
you know, if you could especially talk about the start area, the feed stations, you know, volunteer assistance, shuttle buses, and, and the bag pickup. So just kind of the overall organization in those areas. Well, from everything I witnessed, and obviously I didn't uh, see any of the behind-the-scenes things, but from everything I saw, the organization seemed to be very good. Um, everything seemed to look smoothly from what I saw. Mm-hmm. They... Yeah, the, they did have a bib pickup on Friday night, which I didn't go to. I just went up there uh, Saturday morning, and everything was fine. Um, went to Telmark Lodge, and they asked if you're doing a long race or the short race. Um, they actually used the same bags from uh, the Berkey, the yellow ones for the Cordy distance, and the white ones for the Berkey distance. And uh, they gave you that, and then a few uh, you know other freebie items, and then they sent you on your way and you also got a t-shirt which was nice it was a nice long sleeve t-shirt that says uh, Berkey Tour Founder so I thought that was nice and then um, you'll, said, you'll cherish that for some time yeah yeah, yeah. they uh, sent us down to uh, they said just start right you know it's bottom of the hill there at Telmark Lodge and you could go start whenever you wanted so um and that was kind of nice also due to the snow conditions. It was nice to test out the skis first a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you could leave whenever you wanted. So people were testing skis. Um, as far as uh, food stations goes, they, uh, they had some volunteers that seemed to be doing a good job. They had uh, they had no food, but they had water and energy drink. And, uh, you know, it was ran much like the regular Berkey food stations, just on a smaller scale, not as many people. Mm-hmm. So that's right. They just had the, uh, I think it was heat energy drink, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then, so you brought your own uh, snacks? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then how about the shuttle buses? The um, busing seemed to work fine. Um, when we got to the finish line, they had you know food there. They had some chili and hot dogs that were free if you were registered in the race. Um, and then they said that um, the bus was actually at the top of the hill from the fish hatchery, so you'd have to walk a little ways, but that was no problem. Um, and they had the same setup at double O that the buses were waiting for you. And then I think they tried to have the buses leave about every half hour or so, um, so they didn't totally fill up the bus. But um, there was no uh, inconveniences there. I thought it was uh, went really well, and they just brought you back to Telmark where your cars were parked. So, mm-hmm. And it, did it start at the, the usual start area for the Berkey? At the, at the airport? Not, um, oh. they, that may have been what they were originally planning, but I know that they had um, consolidated the course in case of the weather. They only wanted to prepare one course. So what they did was it started right uh, next to Telmark Lodge there. Um, oh, okay. Close to where the Cordelope finishes. And then uh, it went out on the trails behind the lodge. Um, it started out going down like the Cordelope Trail backwards and eventually coming out to the Berkey Classic Trail, and then eventually about 13K into it, just past the high point, it uh, came out to the main Berkey Trail and then stayed on the, the Berkey Trail for the rest of the way. I see. Yeah, that's right. They were worried about the with the rain potential of having to to groom two Multiple different... Multiple courses. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of the weather, I know... A lot of people didn't go up, and one of my uh, buddies who was uh, going to give us a report, uh, you know, from Duluth, it, I guess it was raining all day in the morning, and it held off uh, there in Cable and Hayward. Um, but how how were the course conditions and, and the grooming, and, you know, what type of wax did you use? Well, the really the whole thing was very lucky. Um, the forecast... You know, the days leading up to it sounded like it would be pouring rain um, throughout the event. And even when I checked it um, late Friday night before I went to bed, um, the radar showed a lot of rain coming, and uh, it made it sound like it was going to start within an hour or two and rain throughout the day, even in Cable and Hayward. And uh, so I wasn't very optimistic at all. I didn't you know, know what it would be like. And woke up in the morning in Cumberland, and there was no rain there yet, and we drove up to Hayward or to Cable, and uh, there was no rain. It was cloudy. It looked like it was threatening rain, but for some reason, uh, it never materialized till after uh, the event was done. So I think that that was really lucky in itself. Um, I know the 
the Berkey um, was concerned about that because they thought that even when it wasn't raining in the morning, they were worried about sending all these skiers out on the trail and that maybe it would start raining later. But I think that obviously we got really lucky, but the conditions themselves were uh, really good. Um, on some parts of the trail, like I said, we were on part of the Classic Trail and uh, the Cordelopa Trail. It seemed like that part had been recently groomed and that was in good condition. But the part that was really fast was on the the uh, main Berkey skate trail north of Double O was uh, very fast. Um, but it wasn't uh, so icy. You didn't have control. It was, I really liked that sort of conditions where it was really fast. And then, you know, like I said, some areas had been groomed a little more recently and they were just a little bit slower, but they were, either way it was really excellent for skating mm-hmm. conditions. Um, I think it was a little more challenging for classic because they, the tracks were a little more glazed mm-hmm. and, uh, which was fine, but they said that um, they were picking up a lot of uh, pine needles and that sort of stuff. That's Being true. that uh, the snow is really about a month old, and um, there is some debris on the trail, but overall, I thought the conditions were very good, especially considering what we were fearing. And, and what type of wax did you use on skating? I the... used the. Um, I usually use toco waxes, and I was using toco yellow. Mm-hmm. Which, then, uh, you know, is a softer wax, and uh, but it worked fine with those uh, fast conditions. Yeah, and then the classic skiers were using uh, clister mainly? Yeah, I think a lot were using clister. Yeah. What what was the temperature? It was it was uh, real close to the freezing mark. You know, it probably started around 30 or so, and it was, you know, in the low 30s, but with... Uh, it, with it being cloudy, um, I didn't notice much melting. Maybe towards the very end of the event, there was a couple spots where getting just a little bit sticky, but I wasn't really noticing melting. It was yeah. Well, that that trail is so well protected. Um, you know that usually, even if it gets up into the 30s, it pretty much holds, especially if it had some cold nights. Right, so. and uh, you can tell that they've been uh, grooming it well all winter. You know, it's very level. Um, there's a deep pack base on it, so it, I think it would take a lot to uh, melt that down. Yeah. Well, I watched the uh, Scott Brown video on the uh, Berkey website. Um, uh, did you see that? I mean, it looked it looked like uh, what you described, cloudy, but uh, pretty fast, at least from the skiers in the in the video. Yes, uh, I watched that video also, and uh, if anybody wants to see it, it's posted on the Berkey website and. It's a very good video, um, and it gives a good overview of what the conditions were like. It's fast, but very good, and yeah. uh, was cloudy. You know, like you said, seemed to be threatening rain, but luckily it held off. I, I did look up, and the final count was 550 skiers. Um, I know that's down. Probably could have been more with the forecast being a little bit better, but heck, it must have been nice uh, having the Berkey Trail wide open to you, uh, you know, especially on some of the uh, steeper downhills and uh, and also the uphills. Yeah, there was, uh, you know, there was no crowding. Um, and part of that, I think even if um, there was a bigger turnout, it still wouldn't uh, probably get as crowded because of uh, people can start whenever they want. I know yes, that right. this time they were actually, uh, you know, encouraging us to start earlier because of, you know, the fear of rain. But, um, that's kind of the way they set it up, that go start at your own pace. And so I think that that would help spread it out anyways, even if there was a larger group. Yeah, because, I mean, with the total being 550, I didn't get the breakdown between, you know, Berkey, Cordy skiers. So, I mean, you figure, you know, with, what is it, usually 7,000. Actually, the, the max is going to be 7,500. I think they're up to about 7,200 now. Um uh, you know that even gets spread out, you know, towards the end. Yeah. Uh, so, and we, uh, I go up, you know, with my friends, we go up for the whole week um, and ski, and we we just have some wonderful days early in the week. We'll go out from the north trailhead at uh, um, at Cable, and it's just wonderful having that trail. You know, you're so used to having so many people on it, and just to you know let loose uh, is wonderful. Well, um, you can really enjoy the trail. You know, yeah. you're out there like that, and it's 
it's really a wonderful uh, resource to have here. Oh, it's it's beautiful. Um, the um, this event kind of had the same feel as the Berkey 2007, right? When it was a non-competitive open track event, you had talked about, you know, you could start when you wanted to. And for those listeners that don't remember uh, Berkey 2007, it wasn't, quote, canceled, canceled. I think they they held the event, uh, the event for elite skiers, um, but everybody else, you got credit for finishing. And that actually happened to be my 20th year. So it was real important. I was sweating. I said, oh, I've got to get my 20th year in. Um, but it, it ended up to be a very nice kind of almost festive event. It was very different than a regular Berkey. So did it have that feel? It did. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the crowd obviously wasn't as big last Saturday as it was, you know, during that 2007 Berkey, but it kind of had the same feel. I think, you know, people during the Berkey itself, even if you might say to yourself, I don't care what time I get, but in reality, you know, you want to push and try to do the best you can. But I think when it's an open track, untimed event, uh, I think a lot of people really enjoy that. It, uh, just kind of low pressure and go at your own pace. And so it, it did remind me a lot of the 2007 Berkey. And I, and, you know, I think that's where they got the idea for this event really mm-hmm. in part, because uh, I remember after that, after that race, everyone was talking about how much fun they had and especially right. considering yes. that it almost got canceled completely. And uh, I heard some people say, well, they should do something like this all the time. So I guess now we have that. Yeah. And I, I know from, your history, you started in 2000, the very year <laughs> that they canceled. And I, I know that was one of the more disappointing years for me, too. And it would have been nice to have something like that. Although I think that year they had like pools of water <laughs> in the on the hills. I know some people tried to do it, but you probably need uh, water skis at some parts. Um, yeah, it, uh, in retrospect, it's probably a good thing that I didn't uh, go up there for my first year in the event. Yeah. Conditions would have been like that anyway. So. Yeah. Um, did you meet uh, other skiers who ski the Berkey um, at the Berkey Tour? Uh, yes, I talked to uh, you know several people who were uh, on the bus and that sort of thing and on the trail saying that uh, they were planning to do the Berkey next month and that they wanted to go out and that this would be a good training event for them is what I was hearing a lot of. And that was also basically what I was thinking by participating in it. Mm-hmm. How, how about some skiers that maybe find this as a good alternative and are not using it, uh, you know, have not done the Berkey, but found that this would be a good alternative. Yeah. I did talk to somebody who said that, that, um, mm-hmm. that they just wanted to go out and ski it. They didn't mind the distance, but that they, didn't know if they wanted to do the Berkey or not, um, you know, with the big crowds and that sort of thing. And on the other hand, that maybe they would use this as a stepping stone to do that also. Um, and I talked to some other people who uh, didn't go this year, but I was telling them about this event and event and, uh, they sound like they'd be really interested in doing it next year. Even if they didn't do the Berkey, that this might be a good alternative for them. Mm-hmm. Do you think this event will become a, a big training, um, uh, ski, you know, leading up to the Berkey for future years? I think so. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, me personally, I'd like to make it an annual event. I think it's a good training event. And it's probably, you know, more for the recreational skiers. Um, obviously, the ones that are the more serious racers, you know, they want to go do a real race um, on these weekends. But for uh, the rest of us, you know, this is really a good uh, training event, I think, and it's nice to have it supported too, um, especially with the shuttle service and that sort of thing, because you could go up there and ski by yourself the whole trail, but it wouldn't be the same. You'd have to line up your own shuttle. You wouldn't have the food stops and the support in case something went wrong and that sort of thing. Right. So. I mean, I think the that those are the good positives, plus you're on the same trail, so you get to, to know that. I mean, you know, I, I've done it, what, 20? Uh, three, twenty-two years has been my twenty-third, and you know you still forget different sections. You still forget about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and so so that's good. So, you know, just to have knowledge of the trail. I think the negative, obviously, is that you can't really get credit. That can't be used towards your seating. You know, like a regular event. But uh, 
It sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, I wish I could have uh, been up there. Um, I I always enjoy the, uh, and I'm sure you do too, uh, Snowmobilers Hill, you know, where they're holding up the cards and stuff. I was wondering if uh, any of those uh, snowmobile riders were out there this, for the uh, for the tour. Uh, they were not. There uh, was uh, nobody there at that Snowmobilers Hill. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking that, you know, if this event uh, became more well-known in future years, they probably... They probably would. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I noticed uh, one thing, though. Somebody, maybe they should have been there because at least one person must have taken an ugly uh, spill on that hill because there was uh, blood on the snow right by the base of the hill there. So I, oh. I don't know who that was, but somebody took a face plant, I think. Did it get rutted out like it the, does during the race? I mean, you know how people snowplow around that n- turn? Not to the same degree. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the conditions really were... Uh, better overall than it would be during the Berkey most cases because it didn't uh, it didn't have that sugary snow on the uphills and you know the what I call the loose shoots and the downhills yeah well I, I know you know because as I said earlier we go up for the week and ski and you know I'll ski that section and, and you hardly know where the hill is because you can just bomb you know right down that hill and it's like nothing um, but the problem is, is, you know, with all those people standing there and then everybody slows down and then you get these ruts and it, it does become hard to ski through there. But I, I think, uh, see in the 22 years that, uh, it was one year that I took a fall cause someone's fell right in front of me and went down to it, but I've, uh, usually gotten through that, <laughs> but it, it is funny. Uh, they have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Well, you know, I've heard some people that say that, uh, they don't like that the snowmobilers there or whatever, but me personally, I think that's part of the tradition. I really enjoy that. You know, it's one of those. Oh yeah. Yeah. Things. They're, they're having fun. And, you know, I, and I think truly if someone was hurt, they'd be the first ones out there, oh, you know, so. helping out. Yeah. So, um, well, how, how did you feel like overall, uh, with, you know, the price for registration and the value, um, uh, for the event? I thought it was a, a fair price. Um, in fact, I don't think that it's probably a big money maker for the Berkey. I think that uh, you know more to cover their costs for the event, um, and uh, I think a lot of people would appreciate uh, you getting a shirt that you can keep forever. And uh, plus, when you see people wearing those shirts, it, you know it automatically identifies that you skied it. Um, yeah. So that, that's a nice touch, and uh, of course the food stations, um, the busing, and then also included a you know, free meal at the finish. Um, the sign just said it was $5 for people who weren't involved with the race and free for people who were. So yep. I thought overall, and then in the shuttle. So, I mean, with, for all that, I thought it was a fair price. That's great. Well, I uh, uh, had a couple other questions, but one I was uh, reading your latest Facebook post and noticed that you also snowshoe. Uh, when did you start and how often do you go out? Well, I uh, I don't snowshoe real often, but mm-hmm. um, my wife actually is very interested in it, so I've started doing it with her a little more. Um, and we actually went last night at a, on the Ice Age Trail near uh, New Auburn. They had um, at the Chip Moraine, Moraine uh, Center, they had a, a moonlight snowshoe hike, and last night was a full moon and uh, with a snow on the ground it was you know very visible in the woods and they had a, a nice hike set up a different distance as you could do and that's right it was a full, full moon last night wasn't it? Yeah. yeah yeah and uh so that was very nice and uh so i i like skiing but i also like to go on a snowshoe hike once in a while it's kind of nice to go off the trail a little bit and uh explore sometimes so does your wife uh nordic ski also or does she pretty much snowshoe uh she nordic skis a little bit um, I think she gets a little nervous about some of the hills and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. but she does Nordic ski and she also snowshoes. Yeah. We just, I mean, of course, we live in Kansas City, but I'm, I'm from Michigan, so I'm used to being up north. My wife is too. So this year we treated ourselves to getting snowshoes for Christmas. We haven't been out on them yet, but uh, we got a little snow yesterday. There was a storm that actually moved south of us and caused a lot of stuff. We got the kind of top end of it. So we're anxious to get out uh, and try them. Well, well tell me, uh, uh, Louis, you also uh, 
uh, work with the Cumberland Area Ski Touring Association, and I know you have the uh, uh, help maintain the Timberland Hills Ski Trails. Tell us about the ski trails and what you have there. We have a, a system, or actually it's kind of two separate trails um, about a mile apart. Um, we have about 25K or so of trails. Um, all of it's groomed for skating and classic. Um, most of the trails are pretty wide um, to easily accommodate you know, both techniques. We uh, have uh, the main Timberland Hill system has uh, an outside loop that's about 14K and then the uh, several other trails in the interior, so there's a variety of distances you can ski. Um, and the, then we have a lighted trail that's around two and a half kilometers. And uh, so that's lit uh, you know, all winter long until about 11 p.m. at night. And, uh, and that trail is more of a beginner's level trail. The main Timberland system has uh, some pretty good hills on it. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of people actually like skiing at Timberland uh, for Berkey training because there's some pretty comparable hills. I see. And you have a groomer, too, that... Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we groom, you know, as necessary throughout the winter um, mm-hmm. and uh, try to keep it in good shape. And luckily, this year we've had pretty good snow. There's been a couple of times where it got a little icy. We were able to regroom it and it stayed in pretty good shape. So. And so how big is your uh, uh, touring association? How many members? Well, I'd have to uh, check in the current membership, but I'm guessing around 100. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them aren't necessarily active. You know, they pay dues, which is good. That's what uh, keeps our organization going. And we have kind of a board of directors with about five of us that do most of the work and then several other people that are involved uh, throughout the year. So we um, obviously maintain the trails in the winter and also in the summer do some mowing and brushing to make sure they're ready for snow. And then... Uh, uh, we run a food stand each summer um, at a local festival in Cumberland. It's called the Rutabaga Festival, and that's our main fundraiser for the year. I see. That sounds great. I'll, we'll have to uh, get down and ski on the trails uh, someday. Um, we um, Our trails see quite a bit of uh, use from people from uh, the Twin Cities area because we're about only about an hour and a half or so from the Twin Cities, so it's a little bit closer than Hayward, so some people like to go there or stop on their way up to the Hayward area. So, so how far from Hayward? Uh, probably about 45 miles. Yeah, okay. Give or take, somewhere there. Yeah, because I'm, this year, I usually fly up, because I usually was traveling all over the country, but this year I'm going to drive up from Kansas City and then pick up one of uh, my other buddies at the uh, Minneapolis airport, so maybe we'll... Stop by. Sounds like uh, Cumberland's located right in Highway 63, and uh, right our Timberland Hills Trail is actually out of town, about uh, around 10 miles out of town on County Highway H. Yeah, I'll look that up. Um, you uh, also are the vice president and, and responsible for updating via the internet uh, trail conditions. How do you do that? Well, I uh, we have a website. It's uh, timberlandhills.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, as conditions change, I go on there and uh, update them there. I also um, this year set up a Facebook uh, fan page, and uh, I think we have about 75 fans on it right now, but I think they'll keep growing. And you update um, there too. So I update there also. Mm-hmm. And then um, I also post on skinnyski.com, oh, which good. Uh, yeah. is really a good way of reaching out to people. Um, I think that that... That website has been a big success. That's a great site. Are you using Twitter at all? Um, well, I do personally, but I haven't uh, used that yet for the ski trails. I might have to do that too. But Yeah. Okay. Well, Lewis, I know you need to get back to the shop, but I thank you uh, again for taking the time to be on the podcast and uh, hold on to that shirt. Uh, don't wear it. <laughs> You're going to want to save that one. Uh, well, I was happy you. when I saw that Berkey Tour founder right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, I was, uh, I know my friend Tim Burke, who's one of the other Berkey buddies, he uh, uh, was disappointed, but I, I think he was concerned also with the coming back, you know, with the icing uh, from the rain, but I know he was disappointed. Uh, he's up uh, actually uh, with Mike Tarnow, who's our other, uh, three of us are the ones that go up every year. They're actually up doing the Noki uh, right now. Uh, they're racing, so I'm, I was going to get a report from them later today. 
and I include that in the podcast. So uh, and you that, take well, he's you can if it makes him feel better, he's not the only one. Um, because I talked to some other people from Cumberland that had uh, they were planning to go and they decided not to because of the forecast, and then they were kind of surprised when I told them how good it was. So <laughs> yeah. Well, well, thanks again, and I uh, look forward to forward to seeing you uh, up at the Berkey, and well, uh, we can you. actually uh, meet in person. I know we've sort of developed a relationship actually through. Uh, I think you've followed uh, our Berkey website, and then through Facebook, uh, and now Twitter. So, uh, uh, anxious to see you up. When do you go up for the race? Well, um, I go up with uh, my dad. Uh, typically, skis the Cordelope, and I do mm-hmm. the Berkey, and uh, what we've done is instead of uh, finding lodging in the area, we've, you know, it's about an hour and a half drive to Cable, or maybe even less, depending so you just go on up for the... the road conditions. We uh, get up early in the morning and drive up there and um, catch the bus in Telmark. Um, it seems to work pretty good, but we've talked about that it would be fun to get a room up there and be a little less hectic, I guess, too. So after the race then, then you just head back to Cumberland? Yep. Yep. Yeah, we get up, we have a cabin, we stay up on Lake Namakog, and we, well, we've stayed at various places over the, I think it's 24 years, I missed one, and then the 2000 race, so it's been over a 24-year period, um, and it's wonderful. I mean, we've got this beautiful cabin overlooking the lake, and it's it's just a nice getaway uh, for us, and then, you know, I've met people wherever I've lived that have done the Berkey, and it's... Uh, just such a meaningful race to so many people. First day I moved to Kansas City and went out on my roller skis, I meet someone else roller skiing. So it's 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 uh, an event that touches people all over the country. And well, the I actually uh, lived in South Dakota for two years, so oh yeah, you know the the vast majority of uh, people there aren't familiar with the Berkey or a lot of them not even with cross country skiing. But um, I was roller skiing and. I'd run to somebody and they'd say, oh, a roller skier. I never thought I'd see these in South Dakota. I thought I was the only one. And they start talking about the Berkey and stuff. So it's kind of a brotherhood in a way. Yeah, it is. Because we've, uh, I same, I have a good buddy now that I met in North Carolina. And we used to go out on our roller skis and always would get looks uh, right around Durham, Chapel Hill area there. And we'd get some funny looks like, what are those? Yeah. Um, and he's now in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, and I think it's even getting funnier looks down there on his his roller skis. So, well, Lewis, thanks so much uh, for being on the podcast, and uh, appreciate you taking the time. Okay, well, thank you, no problem. I'm glad I could uh, help you out with this. We appreciate you downloading episode nine of Berkey Web today, and we do hope that you will subscribe to our podcast so that you will not miss out on future episodes. If this is the first time you are listening to the podcast, our past episodes are available on our website at podcast.berkeyweb.com. You will find show notes and links to the stories also. Berkey Web Today is on iTunes. We have a lot of interesting news and interviews that we have planned before, during, and after the Berkey, so please come back. Also, please leave your feedback by writing to webmaster at berkeyweb.com. For more information about other podcasts available through the Eero Podcast Network, go to the website at epn.ero.com. Special thanks to Mark Fransky for allowing us to use his song, 12th Street Stomp, as the theme song for our podcast. Mark's work can be found at banjodog.com. Take care and ski fast.